On this episode of The Playbook, I have Christy Butnick, CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And we're gonna learn about how important our mom is in becoming a CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I have an extraordinary entrepreneur, Christy Budnick. She is the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, the leaders in their space, by the way. I've utilized them for some of my properties as well. Whoa. So welcome, Christy, to The Playbook. Well, thank you so much, David. I really appreciate you inviting me on your podcast. Every time I get a wonderful CEO, I'm excited to have them on the podcast because there's so much in a journey to the playbook to become a CEO. And yet there's so many lessons when we become a CEO that, you know, we, it's like having children. A, another CEO can't tell a CEO what it's like to, to be a CEO, just like a yeah. parent can never tell someone without children what it's like to have. You got to have your own. Um, That's so true. <laughs> and, you know, it's such a, you know, successful company is Berkshire. What's the biggest lesson you've learned with your new position you know, you're the first woman CEO, by the way, which thank you for your success because I have three daughters and I had told you oh. previously, I get so excited because I want them to see people that are like them because it's one thing, oh, dad did it, but dad's not like them, you know, and now oh. you're a milestone marker for my girls. But I know what it's like to be a first time CEO at a, a big company. Was there any surprises when you took over? Yeah, well, yes, actually. The the first surprise came when Gino offered Gino Blafari, of course, our chairman of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, offered me the position. Um, I, you know, that I, I was not expecting it. It wasn't something that um that I had written down in my future. Um, it was something that others had, you know, I thought jokingly said they could see me doing. But um, it, it turned out that, that they were serious and, and, and I was just really honored when Gino gave me the call and, and said, you know, I'd like you to consider this. So, with And with equity inclusion, you know, I know you and I are a little bit more seasoned in our experience. You know, 20 years ago, you would have thought they were joking because it just wasn't possible, right? That, True. You know, in businesses of this size, scope and scale, we were passed over, women like you were passed over uh, for jobs that they were capable of. Um, for you, that humility there, yet I know the reputation of inclusion and equity um, with Berth, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, it was the least possible in your mind. Uh, and oh, so I'd absolutely. love for you to kind of share, you know, that experience uh, that you're going to continue, I'm sure, as CEO. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things that I really value about Berkshire Hathaway Home Services and Home Services of America is they truly celebrate, or I should say, we truly celebrate uh, diversity, inclusion, equity. Um, and, and Gino holds, he has done a phenomenal job over the last several years of escalating several women into key positions within the organization. And I just, I really admire that about him because you look across the spectrum and that's still not happening in in real um, in any real numbers. 
Um, so for him, to me, he's a real trail, trailblazer in that uh, area. You know, I do a lot of speaking and work with the female quotient with uh, Shelly Zalas. And, you know, I love her realistic perspective when I ask her, you know, how long I, I was, uh, I'm chief chancellor of junior achievement university, for example. And when I was, a, I'm an alumni, but I was 12 years old. There wasn't one girl in my group as entrepreneurs. And now over 50% are women, uh, which wow. just tell you, you know, I've been in the NFL and in the sports arena for so long. And we've had, you know, the Rooney rule and inclusion and equity rules with minorities, especially. And it's yeah. made a huge difference because we built the pipeline and we've interviewed the people and given them a chance. I see that happening uh, today and I can't wait. But Shelly Zalas told me, I said, how long is it going to take uh, until it isn't even a, a matter of, oh, she's the first female CEO or she's a female right. CEO. It's just like, she's, really, she's a really good one or a really bad one. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I hope someday. But Shelly told me, you know, it probably will be a whole, you know, another hundred years uh, because of how long it takes. And it you know, yet you're taking over, you can make changes. I believe in even the best companies like yours, it's progress, not perfection. So right. what are some of your plans, you know, in your first six months uh, with your new role? Well, first of all, I'd love to touch on what you were just talking about as far as women and, and trailblazers. Um, one of the things that I'm very, very fortunate is that my mother, uh, she is my idol. I, I just think the world of her. And she's also been um, my business partner for a number of years. So one of the things that I was very, very fortunate growing up, as was my sister, is she got into real estate. She, she gained her um, real estate license back in uh, when I was 11 years old. And so my sister and I really began in the business with her when we were very young um, and it became a family business. But I got to watch her grow her career um, and take it from an individual real estate salesperson to um, actually owning her own company back in 1988, she founded what was then Prudential Network Realty, and today is Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Florida Network Realty. And so from my view, women could do anything. I mean, I saw her in business circles and she was so admired and so respected. And, and so it honestly never even occurred to me, even though I didn't see a lot of women in leadership positions, key leadership in particular, it, from our home standpoint, it didn't occur to me that it, that it wasn't you know, totally normal. So I, I think that that is a little bit of a, a different situation than many women, um, uh, you know, face in their childhoods. But why exactly you're so important for my daughters, because those role models, even if we haven't seen the equity and inclusion that we want, they seeing this podcast will say, oh, my gosh, you know, I, yes. I can do that, too. And it's very possible. So I love uh, people, even the trailblazers like my mom, your mom, my grandmother was the first professor at Ohio State, uh, female professor uh, way back when. So uh, I have a different perspective as a young boy and man than most people uh, because of the success of the women in, in my family. So I totally get that. Um, yet still, you know, I'm curious on the playbook side of things when you become CEO, regardless of you know the way we look and how we grew up, we got to have a plan to progress and to grow. And, you know, with COVID, with taking over a new position, with mm -hmm. the housing market and home services market uh, at a new time uh, place, you know, what are the plans uh, that you want to institute or what changes would you like to see? 
Absolutely. So I, I've been in the position now for just going on a month. And the first 30 days, I've really stepped back and got, I've, I've had the opportunity to get to know the, um, my employees um, out in Irvine, California, and um, some of the struggles that they've been having, as well as some of the successes. And then also listening to the franchise network, because it's really important. Those are our clients. Um, and there are three core areas. And, and I think that I'm in a good position to be able to answer um, some of the issues that we face as a network, as well as our growth plans for the future. Um, since I sat in that seat just a month ago, I, you know, I was leading a company, uh, a mid-sized company that was one of the top in the entire network. And so there are really three key things. Um, first is our technology solution for our franchise network. Um, right now, what we have is adequate, um, but it's, it's not, it, it isn't going to uh, put us ahead in the race um, as we continue to grow. Um, we need solutions that are very simple, they're easy to implement, and also those that can tie into um, all of our other resources seamlessly, um, have that type of integration. So that, that is one core area that I've already begun focusing on. Matter of fact, I just hung up a meeting um, right before our call. Um, second, the, our, our name, the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services name, stands uh, for luxury. I mean, that, that is a space that we have commanded um, since our inception. And I feel like we need to make a stronger play in the luxury market. And we've already started taking some steps to do that. Um, but I think it's really important and critical as we continue to grow that we have a real focus on luxury while not forgetting the other price points that um, make up the bulk of our business. So that's, that's the second thing. Um, and then the third thing, and I think this is really key because it's something that I've um, focused on real heavily in my former company, um, and it's also something that Berkshire Hathaway Home Services has focused on, and to me, it's a real differentiator, and that is our culture, um, because everybody has technology, everybody has marketing. Um, I might get something that's better than you today, but you know, the, at the end of the day, what is it that draws people to the brand? And that is the respect, the longevity the stability, the security, um, all of those things that are so meaningful to certainly our clients, um, but also to realtors, to broker owners. And one of the things that we need to exploit a little bit more is all of the, our, our ability to cross um, over one another in terms of not just being silo um, oriented in my company, but reaching out across all of the, the wealth of resources we have in the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services world. It's something that we've done a good job with, but I think it's something that we can do an even better job with going forward. And Berkshire Hathaway in your space, you know, with what's going on today in the market, obviously mm -hmm. uh, supply and demand, supplies at an all time low, demands at a high. Um, but as you know, because you've been in the business for so long, everything's circular, but we've been on a historical run when it comes yeah. to real estate. The, you know, market, the economy and real estate, especially have been on from the near depression it was in has now taken the longest run uh, in history. But with a luxury brand, mm -hmm. when supply is low, uh, like it is, there is an advantage to uh, listing and selling and buying luxury homes because those people usually have one, two, three, four or more homes. So the biggest issue for people in the supply and demand game right now is that they would love to sell. There's a huge percent of people that would love to sell, but they have nowhere to go yes. or they don't want to, you know, 
pay the same price and even though interest rates may be lower and all types of different strategies. Um, for you taking over at this time, is there a certain strategy that you're implementing or encouraging to take on those type of owners that don't necessarily need a place to go where the commissions are much higher, the deals are much bigger, and the supply may be at a higher uh, economic rate than most people would think? Well, so you've touched on two things. Number one, we're not having as much of an issue in the luxury market of sellers not wanting to sell because they don't have somewhere to go, because many of those sellers do in fact have another home that they're happy to go and live in until they find the next home that they'd like to purchase. Um, where we're really seeing more of that issue is what I'll call in the bread and butter. Um, and it, that certainly differs from market to marketplace. Um, and with that group of buyers, uh, it, it's a real struggle because when they sell their home um, and, and you know, we're, we're replenishing inventory, that's the good news is we're repl replenishing inventory at a rate that's actually faster than last year or the year before. But because of the number of buyers, um, you're in multiple offer situations in almost every single instance. And so in order to put those buyers in the very best position to be able to win a contract, they basically need to do as much as they can to become a cash buyer. And I know that sounds a little crazy because not everybody has cash to be able to buy a home. But what it does mean is go to a lender that is a well-known lender. Don't go to one that's just a, um, a small one-off or one that you find over the internet that doesn't hold any clout with sellers and get that really strong pre-approval letter and needs to be included with every offer that's made. The offer needs to be as strong as you can make it. If you're going in under asking price, the likelihood of getting that home is very, very slim. Um, and, and most offers that are coming in, we're ending up with multiple offers that are exceeding the list price. Um, it's also really important to try, ha have your realtor, you definitely need a realtor to, to guide you through this, but your trusted realtor needs to find out what are the seller's hot buttons by talking with that listing broker and finding out does the person need to stay in their home for an extra amount of time um, in order to be able to make a smooth transition? Or do they need to close and get out quickly? What, what are the things that matter to that seller? Um, do they need to pay some of the seller's closing costs to put themselves in a better position? Certainly the binder monies up front need to be very, very strong. So there are a lot of things that buyers can do, but the one biggest piece of advice I'd give right now, and, and I, it pains me actually to say this, is don't get your hopes entirely wrapped up in that one home. Um, it can be very emotional. And so my, my biggest recommendation is it's good to like the home, but there is a good chance that you may miss out on one, two, three, even five homes. So until that contract is fully executed, uh, don't, try not to get too emotionally attached. Oh, my goodness. I've told my wife for 23 years of home purchasing with us, I was like, I know that you think this is your dream home, but when this falls through, there'll be another dream home right yes. behind it. There's always there will. Another, yeah, there's always another house, that's for sure. Um, now taking over, you know, how many franchisees do you have uh, that you're taking control of now as CEO? So we have over 50,000 agents and 1,500 offices. Um, and we are in 11 countries um, on three continents. So we, and we're rapidly expanding. You're the fastest growing uh, brokerage of all franchises globally. globally. And yes. what do you attribute that to? Um, a lot of it has to do again with the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services brand. 
Um, the leadership that makes up the brand is very, very strong. You have well-seasoned um, franchise network owners, broker owners uh, that make up the franchise. And so it, it, it's, one of, it's, it's a brand that resonates with clients from all over the world, um, as well as here locally. And, and I think that that respect and stability and trust means an awful lot to people. It's so funny. You went to the University of Lynchburg. Uh, I did. And my worst real estate investment was I owned uh, a golf course in Amherst, Virginia, uh, called Popular Grove, not too far from Sweetbriar, right around the block yeah. uh, from where you went to college. I'm thinking, oh, I should have used someone from BHSS. I'd have been a lot better off. <laughs> you would uh, have been in a much better position. <laughs> well, I did learn a valuable $100 million lesson. Uh, be the third owner of a golf course. So for all you luxury real estate people out there, there's uh, Dr. J, uh, the basketball player, and I, we learned that together. Be the third owner of a golf course. Don't be the first owner. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's something new. <laughs> um, taking for also that you did have to shift uh, from leading your own uh, super successful franchise to running the entire company and network. Uh, how did you use uh, or deal with the transition? Because obviously you have to have someone now in charge of what was your livelihood for years and years and years, your baby that you built, you had, you had to hand off. What were some of the things that you had to do to do that? Um, thank you for asking that. Um, it is my baby. And, and my mother and I grew the company to now we have, fi you know, 500 agents and six, um, 60 employees. Um, it's, it, it's all about the relationships and that has been such a blessing over the years. Um, but one of the things that Berkshire Hathaway really encourages is making sure that you have a succession plan. And that is, that's been real important to us um, over the years. And so while I was president and CEO, I had moved two people into positions. One is a woman by the name of Ann King, who uh, was over our brokerage division. And then the other was Kevin Wagaman, who was over our core services like mortgage and title and property management. And um, fortunately, the two of them are a powerhouse. And I felt very, very confident turning it over to them. And Linda and I are both still chair people in, in the uh, company. So I still work closely with them during this transition time, but I'm 100% confident in their abilities. And last question to that. Uh... When you take over as CEO, I know I was CEO of Samsung's first phone division at a, at a younger age, but uh, they had created a succession plan from, and it, it's kind of like uh, in the old days, my business partner is Hall of Fame quarterback, Warren Moon. He said in Houston, they when you came to camp, they'd only give you a, a one-way ticket. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> like, do, is, is it a one-way ticket when you're a CEO or do they create uh, a succession plan for you too, knowing that you have some objectives to build, but you may not be the CEO forever? You know, that's funny. I, I have not even gone there quite yet. I'm still adjusting well, you've been there to my a month. new role. I, you're already leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope to be in this position. Uh, longevity is, is important. It's been in my blood. Um, but I also recognize that it's always good to bring in fresh perspectives. Um, but if I know Gino and I know the leadership of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services and Home Services of America, um, there are definitely pathways. We, we have a number of different initiatives going on. Um, and I feel certain that one of those could very well be in my future.
We could always run for president. You got my vote. So <laughs> uh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, thank you. What a great milestone leader you are. And I am so proud and happy for you because there couldn't be a better position for a better person and to such a great company, one that I've dealt with for years and will continue to uh, because of the culture and the integrity of the business. And I can see why everyone thought you'd make a great CEO. Congratulations. I'm blessed to have you here. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.